Hello, this is Yemi Majekodumi again from Widow Recovery Secrets. I hope you're well wherever you are around the world. I'm here again with the honor of speaking to another widow with the hope to shine light that there's always hope after loss and that you can dare to dream greater. So today I've got with me the beautiful Jody Spilgel. I hope I spelled your name mentioned your name properly. She's based in Newfoundland, Canada. She met her husband in 2000. She's a psychologist. Unfortunately, passed away in April 2021. Jody recognizes that grief is unique and the aspects of her grief process helped her keep moving through until she began to figure out a new life. So we're going to welcome Jody to tell us a bit more about herself. So Jody, you're welcome. So tell us a bit about yourself and a, more, a bit more about who jo Jody is and a bit about your life, please. Thank you. Thank you. So um, my husband and I met in 2000, shortly after I had moved to Newfoundland from the United States where I was born and raised. Okay. And we met at a local music festival, two Americans in okay. Newfoundland. And so we really built our life together as adults and got to do a lot of things that were common interest to us, like camping and hiking and going to music events, like all around the U.S. Yes. And um, unfortunately, in 2015, he was diagnosed with cancer for the first time. And even though we had both always been very live in the moment, you only get one life types of people, when that happened, it just really forged that for us both. And so we just went into overdrive, just doing all the things we loved. And we were both really grateful for that when then I was diagnosed with cancer in 2017. And then he was diagnosed with terminal cancer shortly after the pandemic started in um, 2020. <clears throat> so I've spent the last two years just really focused on who I am, not from a place of the roles that I play or my career or any of those typical things that define us. So I'm really looking forward to speaking to you today because I think it's it's a lot harder for me to answer that question these days of who am I? <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear about your husband's love. But one thing I wanted to ask you first was, what was your husband's name? Jerry. Jerry. And, Jerry. and it's great because Jerry was a huge Grateful Dead fan. And of course, like the lead singer of the Grateful Dead was Jerry Garcia. So it's great because I could be with two Jerry's when I listen to the Grateful Dead now. <laughs> okay. I don't even know anything about what you've just mentioned, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's a great band. <laughs> okay. Wow. Explore more on that. So in terms of your health, where are you at in terms of the diagnosis? So I just celebrated five years since my surgery and I'm coming up on five years since my wow. final treatment wow. at the end of this year. I had a lot of health problems after Jerry died. Every single chronic health condition I had really flared up 
And so I'm really grateful to say that for the last few months, I have felt amazing physically and mentally. Mm, So would you say the chronic health problems that came along, would that be a result of the stress of the loss? Would you say or not? I think it was a combination of factors. I think that, you know, first of all, when we were all in lockdown, I think a lot of us weren't able to attend to things that were like regular medical follow-ups. Yes. I also wasn't able to really focus on my own health needs while Jerry was dying because he required so much care and we really didn't have any, like it was in and out of lockdowns. And yes. so we couldn't really rely on other people. And I think that then everything just culminated with, and I was really inactive for the last three months of his life because he was in the bed and I wanted to spend as much time with him as I could. And he needed me there a lot of the time too. So I think it was like a perfect storm of deconditioning, stress, Mm. inattentiveness to my own needs and everything just kind of fell apart. Wow, it's amazing, amazing. What I found interesting is your you you before you stepped to you a psychologist. Yes, is that correct. Yeah, okay. I've been a, I've been practicing as a psychologist since two thousand one. Okay, well, so have you gone back to it now? You've you you haven't. I am in the process actually of going back to it. This is okay. a perfectly timed interview because tomorrow is my first time working face to face with clients again. Okay. And um, yeah, I I feel like I've been making my gradual return to practice for several months now, okay. meeting different like consultation groups, and I um, <clears throat> I feel really like very excited to go back, and also like really curious to see how what I've been through like informs or shifts the way that I am as a treatment provider for yes, people yes yes because yes. it does have an impact it definitely does mm-hmm. so I can relate to that because my one of my degrees is in psychology and I've oh. always worked in mental health but when I went back to work after the loss of my spouse I felt everything I'd taught or supported women at I applied it to myself unconsciously mm-hmm. it was it was amazing like so even though I was doing groups in relation to wellness deeper wellness holistic wellness i found everything i'd done in the past i could apply to myself and i was more aware of when i might be getting low in mood and so on and so forth i just found it amazing so yeah and i think also like there's just a certain like the way that um one of the women that i've been speaking to about it who's a psychologist yes. has yes. said it's like a deeper capacity to sit with pain. Mm, mm, mm. Empathy more, yeah, empathetic. Yes, yes, yes. So do you think, just this just came at the top of my head in terms of widow to widow stalking. Do you think it's, um, it's more or less like, as much as the grief is so painful, it's like, it's another form of an awakening isn't it like to your life you have a new form of awakening did you feel that at all 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the way I describe it a lot of times is like a deepening of my values uh, and a deepening of like my sense of purpose and meaning. And Mm -hmm. it's like things just feel so much more clarified in certain Mm -hmm. ways. And as you said, like, I certainly would not go through this if I had the option because the pain is so intense and at the same time I feel like you know coming coming out this side of it where I feel like I am living life again I can see like wow you know I things just feel so much clearer yes yes it's it's as if you even know yourself more like do you find your you you basically know what you want more and what you don't want more. And it's a new I won't say it's confidence, but it's like it's just a new a new knowing of what you don't want from it's like you're grabbing life again, but you at your own terms. Am I making yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, after thinking as a couple for over 20 years yes, and then yeah. also I was only 25 when my husband and I met and yes really didn't, you know, I, you know, they're talking a lot now about like good girl training. And I definitely was into that, like people pleasing mindset. And so it feels really liberating now in my late forties to be in this position of thinking about who am I, which again, at first Mm -hmm. was completely overwhelming after Jerry died. And now the word I used to describe it most times is liberating. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's because you find when you say that to some people who haven't walked this journey, they don't understand how one could use a term, use the term liberating in terms of loss and grief. But it's amazing how the human psyche can shift even in the midst of so much pain. Isn't, Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? It is. It is. Yes, and yes. and I like even the way you said that, that the human psyche can shift, because I know a lot of people have asked me, like, well, what did you do? How did mm-hmm. it how did you make it shift? And it's I didn't you know, I did do a lot of things while I was really just in survival mode that I think were helpful to keeping me sort of afloat and in, in the best way possible. But really the way I felt was things needed to shift in their own timeline and I needed to tend to myself while they were shifting. Yes, yeah. Mm. All right, I'm going to ask you one of the questions now. So okay. can you can you mention one interesting thing you've discovered about yourself since your loss? We might have touched on it a bit now. One yeah. thing you've discovered about yourself, yeah. Yeah, so like I really feel... I don't know, the word I always use is badass. You know, like, I just feel like I'm capable of withstanding some of the worst pain that's known to humans. And like, even within that pain, and even losing everything around me, like friends that I thought would be by my side, Mm. I have the resources to, to find what I need within that all by myself, which is like, it makes me feel very powerful, very capable, and more independent, which doesn't mean that I didn't need companions through my grief. It just yes, means yes. that I'm capable, even if everything I know right now gets destroyed, I am capable yes. of rebuilding another life. 
Definitely. And for me, just what you said, I can relate because I'm I'm a Christian and that's my faith. But I find I knew before, but I knew more so now since my loss that everything we need is within us. Mm-hmm. We just need to find it. Am I making? I, I just found that as well. That I, I was t- when I Mausman passed, I felt the premonition of knowing that. But now, as I act out my life, I can see daily that everything I do need is within me. I just need to find it and draw it out. So that's yeah. how when people, because as you mentioned, it wasn't the people you expected to support you are the ones that stayed. So even in the disappointment, you find you just start to learn that. Perhaps people are even too close to you to even stay with you because of the pain. Maybe they can't deal with the pain. And perhaps it's people who are far away that don't even really know you so well and the ones that can stay and even acknowledge the, the new me or the new you. So those are things I've had deeper insight too as well. And I share with people who tend to feel very concerned or disappointed that people they knew didn't stay, like friends and stuff after the loss. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think like I definitely went through stages where I was quite, you know, disappointed and hurt and confused. I I remember going through an entire period where I wondered if maybe I was the weak link in the relationship and everybody just really wanted to be around Jerry. And after meeting so many other young widows and learning how common it is to lose your support network after your husband dies or your wife dies, your partner, I, I started to, you know, I think for me, a lot of the grief process has been perspective and sort of getting out of the, this is happening to me and reminding myself this happens <laughs> unfortunately mm-hmm. you know this is a part of life yes and it is really hard for people who aren't going through it to watch someone they love go through it and feel that helplessness and mm-hmm. i personally now on the other side of all those extra losses the secondary losses Yes. I'm really grateful for the people who are in my life. And I'm also yes. really grateful for the people who are no longer in my life. Yes, yes. Because as old people leave, it makes way for new people to come in and bless mm-hmm. us in so many different ways, i found anyway. Me too. So, yeah, definitely. So can you mention three solutions you have solved for yourself since being a widow? Yeah. So one of them is really basic. My husband was the one who did all of our food prep through the week. And any cooking that I did was purely for pleasure. And I also like would, you know, never really have an issue with ideas for meals. And I was only half of the equation. So if I couldn't come up with an idea, Jerry usually did. And I was shocked at the very beginning, right after Jerry died, that like, I didn't even know what I wanted to eat. Mm. I definitely didn't have the energy or focus to prepare or to gather the supplies needed to prepare what I needed. And so I had to figure out how do I feed myself at a time that I have very limited resources Mm. and very limited desire for food. And that was a pretty early on problem that sort of taught me some of the template, I guess, for trial and error Mm. and doing things that maybe are like not the way I used to do them, like 
I would never order skip the dishes or DoorDash because of all the extra fees. And then reminding myself like, hey, if I haven't eaten something substantial in two days, those fees are worth it. And so it was a good opportunity, I think, early on with something that is essential and also fairly basic to learn about problem solving. Um, I also feel like another problem was managing. So I have a big house. My husband and I were also looking after his disabled mother when he was diagnosed. And so we went from three humans and four animals to one human and four animals. And so even daily vacuuming was too much for me Mm. for the house, let alone all the other housework, cooking, lawn care, snow removal. And so I learned to outsource as much as I could some of it to people. Yeah, yeah, sometimes to people who I had to pay, um, which then shook up some of those old things of like, I don't need to pay someone to shovel for me. I could do it myself, but not really. Mm -hmm. Um, I also learned to tolerate more dirt. (laughs) So I realized that I didn't need to hold the standards that I did before. And I feel like at this point, a year and a half out, I figured out adaptations for like all the things that are coming up. And then a third one was what we talked about earlier, which was my health. And so when my flare up happened, I had to attend medical appointments at some very triggering locations right Mm -hmm. after Toby died. So not even two months after he died, I had to have a surgery under anesthesia. Um, it was a day surgery, um, but yeah. I needed to have someone stay with me for three yes. days after. So I had to find someone who was willing to stay with me because I don't yes. have a family here. Yeah. Um, I also have had periods where my back has been so flared up that I literally can't get out of bed. And so figuring out adaptations for making sure my animals were fed and had water, um, which involved moving things into my bedroom and ensuite. Um, But I really feel proud of myself for like really not avoiding the different medical things that I needed because as I said now I can really reap the benefits and feel healthy and yeah yeah. wow that's amazing amazing that's a lot actually yeah (laughs) I don't think think people even realize Mm. the amount of different situations we need to yeah but I say Sorry, when people haven't stepped in the same shoes, people people can empathize, but they say you, people can never really know. Even I'm coming to learn now, as I'm reading more and more about grief, even two two widows sitting in the same room, as much as we might have similar experiences, our griefs are totally different. Absolutely. You know, because our stories are different, what we experienced, you know. I even met someone who, who basically, it was just amazing. You, you can never assume about anybody or any situation until you meet people really you know so mm-hmm. people might think people are grieving and they're wondering why they haven't grieved but people have different experiences in their relationships as well it's just amazing so anytime I invite people I don't really, no matter how much you read about people you never can assume until they say share their story with you absolutely yeah okay so what thank you for that that was a lot you know I mean and very deep as well what you shared with me so I've even written some notes for myself 
<laughs> and you. okay and then what does faith mean to you and how has this helped your journey through grief and recovery have you got a faith yeah, so faith to me, like I did grow up with religion. I grew up Jewish um, and grew up going to synagogue regularly. Yeah. I've always really, you know, had a belief in some force that's greater than what I understand. And so, yeah. you know, I still do identify as Jewish, but I, um, I really draw a lot of my spiritual um nourishment more from nature okay. and and so that's kind of more my belief that you know energy continues in some form beyond our physical bodies and i don't really understand any more than that <laughs> okay so, so that's think, so, okay hmm, that's interesting so with nature how would you say that gives you strength in terms of do you do a lot of are you an outdoor person do you spend a lot of time on the outdoors Yes, absolutely. I Can you share more on that, please. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm I would say that for me, I've always felt like more in like I can have more of a perspective when yeah. I'm in nature because it's so old mm. and it's you know, it's been there through so much. And also just the understanding that I'm really insignificant within this grand scheme of life, yeah. which isn't to invalidate or minimize my worth. It's mm -hmm. more so to remind me of that perspective that, you know, the ocean is so vast. That's something yes. I like. Oh, I, I live near the ocean. Yes. I yeah. like to just sit and watch the ocean and it looks, it's got different colors on different days and mm -hmm. the, the waves look different, different days and come from different angles and it just reminds me again of just how much bigger this planet and yes. time, like that sort of space-time continuum is. I also really love just the feeling of being in nature. It's very soothing. Yes. And I'm fortunate to live right, um, my house backs onto a beautiful walking trail that goes by a river. Okay. And so my dog and I do that trail most days and Again, it just, I, I remember lots of times when Jerry was dying that I really did not want to go for a walk yeah. and I would be halfway through the walk. Like, how could I have ever resisted this? Cause it just, mm. it's like everything just kind of flows out yeah. of you. Yeah. Wow. But that's the pain, isn't it? That's the magnitude of the pain we go through when we're when we lose someone, even certain things that look beautiful, for a moment they can become not so. I knew that things were starting to shift for me after Jerry died when I was on a walk one day and I noticed the way that the light was on the river. Mm. And so there were, there was a very long period of time where yeah. I completely went through the motions of life and didn't see things or hear things or feel things mm -hmm. yeah. amazing but you're here tell yeah. your story you know and now amazing. i could see i could see the light on the river and i mm -hmm. could notice the changes in the color yeah. of the ocean yeah that's your healing isn't it your healing that's when you know you're beginning to recover little by little mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know because grief can make everything so dark as well and yeah. you know it's amazing well i'm going to ask you the next question 
What do you think is the biggest challenge for a widow in that part in the country you come from or where you're based? Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the things that helped me with perspective very early on in widowhood was reminding myself that there are so many places that it is worse to be a widow. Mm. So really gratefully being becoming a widow doesn't impact on any of my freedoms or my rights. Mm. But what it does impact on is um, a family or a couple goes from being a unit to losing a core part of their unit and system. And it's almost like we're expected just to jump right back into life again as if that didn't just happen. And so one of the things that I was really fortunate for is when I started work, I bought into a long-term disability plan. So I was actually able to take the time away from work with an income that at least supported me living, even though let's be real, going from two incomes to one, you definitely (laughs) are relying more on credit, especially the income replacement. But I've met so many widows who had to go back to work a week after their husband or wife died. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it so invalidates the, the just absolute complete devastation that occurs for the whole family when you're like okay well everyone go back to school and work like nothing happened Mm -hmm. I also think it's really difficult to access mental health services in Canada um why is that the case because you have to pay for it yeah um the way Um, that it works unfortunately is um there's like a two-tiered system here so the more specialized kind of services the longer the wait time is and so if you want to get in more quickly then you pay someone privately to get in and so fortunately or unfortunately as a psychologist in a small community accessing the public service was never really an option for me Mm -hmm. so I already had a psychologist that I paid privately that I was able to access immediately. Yeah. But I think, you know, people really need that expert guidance and and support because I think what you do in the beginning of your grief journey really shifts your trajectory overall. Yeah. So I think that giving... (laughs) like some kind of system that can support individuals and families to take, you know, six months even (laughs) to, you know, there's so much paperwork even that you have to do. So to be able to finish up all of the things that you need around your husband or wife's life, Mm -hmm. make sure your children have the support they need to process the grief, make sure you have the support you need to process the grief figure out how to do the basics of life without the other person there and then go back to to the busyness and chaos of life just you saying that it's just i don't know how people do it really it's really and i think the widow is so vulnerable in every way and especially financially so there should be a system that should be able to cater for that need 
even if it's just for at least eight sessions with a psychologist, eight to six, eight to 12 sessions, three months. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think like, you know, they do provide that, but it's like, okay, well, first you have to do this hoop and then you have to do bureaucracy. Exactly. And it's like, I just think about, you know, there were some days where it took everything within me to wash my face. So I certainly was not going to be able to navigate a complex system at that time. So most people wouldn't, would they then? So then they won't get the help they need. Uh, the most yeah. vulnerable. However, I still believe though, like um, when there's a bereavement, I think I still feel at least the six, four, six months, you're still quite in shock. So I, I tend to wonder how effectively, how effective is counseling or the one-to-one with the psychologist? Because when I reflect back, I remember when I went for some form of counseling initially, I couldn't do it. It was just too raw for me. Yeah. And I think like for me, what, um, what I look at is, you know, and I found a lot of the community on Instagram for sure, but doing some of the grief groups that I was able to do that were specific to yeah. widows and especially yes. young widows, yes. it's, you know, even just that space to normalize some of the challenges that we're facing. And, you know, for many of us that were in that space, this was the first time in our lives that we really like weren't sleeping or, you know, weren't able to eat or things that you really need to be able to do to sustain regular work or childcare. And, and so just even like seeing somebody who can normalize that and then help you create a plan for some of those basics, like it's almost like crisis management in the beginning. Definitely, definitely. Because that's why I try and say with my widow support group that I'm trying to build up, it's it's just any any crisis we have in our life or any time there's a need, it's very empowering to be part of a group that can complement or help you in that. Am I making sense? Where yeah. there's a group of people with a common goal or common shared experience. Because I found that throughout my life, or when I've set up groups, as you rightly say, you're just among people. The story, the journey might be different, but you're with other widows. So even if you want to cry, you want to laugh or just moan, you're not feeling you're going to be judged or people are thinking you're strange. Because there's a lot of stigma around being a widow as well in some countries, you know. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's where, like I say, you know, I'm really grateful that I live in a country where I can be talking more about, of course, challenges than that I no longer am able to drive or leave my home without a male accompaniment or Mm -hmm. I needed to marry my husband's sibling or. Or they think the son is like one is kind of an evil spirit because the husband died. Or sometimes yeah. people blame the after all what you're going through, people still blame you as if that's not enough. Then there's all the baggage of tradition and Asian exactly. beliefs and all of that. I just can't, I don't know how people cope with that. I've, I've had interviewed quite a few women from those different parts of the world that shared so many horrific stories with me. It even made me appreciate being a widow in England. Not that I wanted to be a widow, but you do appreciate when you hear other people's stories. 
That's one of the strategies that I know I teach other people in distress tolerance that I try to use myself. And again, it's not meant to invalidate, as you said, like this is a terrible experience, no matter where you live in the world. At the same time, if I had to go through this terrible experience anywhere in the world, I'd prefer to go through it in a country where women have rights. And of course. Yes, it doesn't right. it doesn't make me like a prisoner who loses my rights or get blamed yeah, for my husband's exactly. death. Wow. Amazing. Okay, what was the yeah, so you've actually answered some other things, but I'm just gonna so in turn, I'm not gonna ask you number six. Would you say that you might have found some greater purpose out of your loss? Because that's what a lot of people uh, find. Yeah, I think like I was saying earlier, I really feel like a lot of purposes that I already felt for my life are deepened now. So, you know, I've always really been someone who lives very authentically. I feel like, you know, going through what I have has just really deepened that as you said, you know, that sense of knowing myself so much more and, and really saying like, you know, I, I remember <laughs> one time some of my widow friends and I were having like a Zoom social yeah. and my friend was so proud of herself because someone had asked her to go do something social after a very long, exhausting week. And yes. she said, no. And they said, oh, do you have plans? And oh my said, gosh. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. And they, they kept asking her a couple other questions and she just never shared. But really she was like, I don't need to give them a reason for why I don't want to do this. And I think like that sense in me, like as someone who's never wanted really to disappoint people or be rude or offend others. Mm -hmm. Now it's more like, well, if they take offense, they take offense. (laughs) I'm not meaning it offensively. I don't want to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do in this life. So yeah but what came to mind when you said that as well is like since another thing i've learned is being a widow apparently people think we don't have anything to do so they want to sort of like there was because i met i had a widow who walked alongside of me for a few years when i first became a widow and she used to share with me how people would just ask her to do things at dog they won't give her notice and later on it transpired that people assume because we don't have a husband or we don't have a lot to do anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's, I mean, I wish that you could say to them, oh, it's kind of the opposite. Like, exactly. Roles now. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, along those lines of having just more of a sense of who I am, I feel like I have so much more compassion for others. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think I always knew on some level that everybody is going through something. Of course, yeah. And now going through widowhood, it just reminds me like, so I've met, this happened to me when I was diagnosed with cancer too, that when I would tell people that I was diagnosed, people that I had no idea had had cancer would say to me, I'm a cancer survivor. I had cancer this many years ago. And so I've been shocked actually by how many young widows I've met, not in the kind of forums that you would expect to meet them, but just, you know, calling the billing person for one of my clients and talking to them and, and explaining why I had been off work for a couple of years and going back now and them saying, oh, my husband died 10 years ago. I was 40. Mm. Uh, good for you for going back to work. And so 
I think, you know, realizing that so many people, not just widowhood, but so many people are going through so many things now just gives me so much more of a sense of like, we're all in this together. Definitely. I I actually can resonate with that. I remember, I think the first year or so when we, because we always had a, because my late husband worked from home anyway, and he was always helping people. He was an IT man. So he was always helping people with their laptops, whatever. So we had people who would come to see him. So when the that crowd died down, I remember my children used to wonder where he's so and so. And I used to say, what my I remember clearly my face was that everyone is doing life. And they would look and I say, I just explain that everyone has something they do and they have their own challenges. Even though we might think we we have our challenge. Am I making sense? I just started to yeah. use that phrase. That's the insight I had. That yeah. it's like when I the, the next day, the first day Muslim died, the next day I woke up and the sun was still shining, the news was still on. I thought myself. Life is still going on. Life's not going to stop because my husband died. Exactly. And exactly. that's what I started to see with people. They have to go back to their jobs. They have to go back to their own problems and so yeah. on and so forth. So I started to say everyone's doing life. That's what I used to say. Yeah. And the way that I've sort of expressed it is life keeps moving. Just because yes. I feel like I can move with it right now doesn't mean that it isn't still moving. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And and that's why I always find, like, even though the grief journey differs and it's people to do it in their own pay, I still believe, though, that when you get, yeah, I got to a point where I had to decide that I didn't want to drown in this grief. I had to keep moving on and finding what I wanted in my life because grief also can steal your time because life is still moving. You know, I felt I could stay, I could st- sort of dwell so long in the dark that for 10 years, I'll lose 10 or 15 years of my life and look up and say, oh my God, there's now a walking robot on the street doing traffic. Mm-hmm. Grief can do that. So I think you get to, I get to a point where I have to consciously say, I just can't be drowned by grief. I have to keep walking, yeah. keep walking and recovering. And keep, and that's why I feel that's why I like to do what I do. That's how I can encourage people that it's not an easy journey. It's, it's no. can't be an easy journey. No, and I know like exactly what you're saying. Like, I feel like I've seen it happen. You know, it definitely happened for me and I've seen it happen with my closest widow friends that we've walked beside each other. And at a certain point, it's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't feel this miserable every day. I can't be so dysfunctional. You know, I have no idea how it's going to work. I just need to push out of this cocoon that I've been yes, in. Yeah. And I needed the cocoon for a period yes, of time. Yes, yes, and then yes. at a certain point, it's just going to hold me back. So yeah. so while we're talking, what came to my mind is, one, what is one thing that's really helped your grief journey? I know you mentioned um, something about aspects of your grief process has helped you keep moving through because when you were talking what came to me is I'd, I'd always loved writing as a child but it's amazing since my loss and since since doing my podcast I've I've enjoyed the easiest thing for me to do is to write and I found I discovered it from losing my husband so even though I I do a journal but I've since started writing for a magazine and things like that but it's the easiest choice. I don't see it as a choice. It just comes naturally to me. So what yeah. do you, would you say has come that you discovered? Perhaps it was always there, but it's been rejuvenated for since your yeah. loss. 
I so I do feel like definitely writing is something mm-hmm. that I've done a lot of ever since Jerry's diagnosis. I yeah. started journaling. Um, I made a lot of Facebook posts. Um, I I am on Instagram as well with my like I have a deadhead widow is my okay. Account, but um but I have my own personal account and so like I didn't create grief accounts right away and I would just write things and so now looking back on some of those memories and seeing like the process has been really really helpful for me Mm. um I also um really love music mostly listening to music And dance was a really big part of my life while I was growing up. And I've always found ways to integrate dance in different ways throughout my life as an adult. So shortly after Jerry died, I refound, I rediscovered my love for contemporary dance, which I always enjoyed, but um, it just like that, I guess the dance and the music just really felt right for the emotional expression so I did do a lot of dancing um and again like just really uh connecting with other people who are living similar lives to what we're living and you know being able to you know, challenge each other, celebrate each other, you know, check in with each other. Mm. And it's just inspirational to see, you know, like someone doing something that two months ago, they thought like, I'll never be able to do this. And now they're doing it. So I would say those are some of the things that really helped. I also have engaged in a personal mindfulness program for about a decade now, and I credit that with almost everything because the whole idea with mindfulness is that, you know, you open up to whatever the experience is without judgment and Mm -hmm. enabling it. And I think that really allowed me, you know, there'd be times that I would like say to myself something like this is unbearable and then I would quickly correct myself and say this is very painful and difficult Mm -hmm. to bear Mm -hmm. because if it was unbearable then I wouldn't be bearing it and so you know just being very aware of my thoughts very aware of my emotions the different sensations it just really helped me to hold all of the experience of grief because it is it's I used to say to my psychologist that I've never experienced so many emotions at such intensity Mm -hmm. all at once or within the span of an hour. Yes. Hmm. It's amazing. So I'm going to ask you one more question Then we're going to more or less round up now because we're we're running out a bit of time. So as you have come onto this podcast this evening, if you were to say one thing to a widow who's fairly new on this journey, what would you say to that widow? I would say your task right now is surviving and it doesn't have to look pretty. Just do your best to not make things worse during the journey. So, you know, avoiding things that can lead to addictions or 
additional like financial problems beyond that, do what you need to do to get through, you know, drink lots of water, (laughs) spend as much time in bed as you need to and find people who are going through this, find other widows who are new in their journey, like you are, and then also find widows who are further along in the journey and can give you that, that, that essential hope. I used to call it borrowed hope that I would just borrow people's hope until I felt it myself. Yes. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jody. So I'm going to round up now. Thank you for coming, Jody. It's been very insightful and it's actually very um, thought provoking. And I pick up a lot of strength from what you've shared with me tonight. And I hope our audience has as well. So we're going to say thank you to Jody. This is Yemi Majekudumi from Widow Recovery Secrets. If Jody can do it and I can do it, so can you. Please dare to dream a greater dream. Thank you so much. I'm just going to pause.